um, I've just brought some ideas that sort of coincide with what was going on in that trust study where feedback was mentioned so often as a way to build or break trust and the impact of feedback was different on different students depending on the quality of the relationship that the feedback was being given and, and taken within. So I've sort of brought some ideas together together from that and this uh, really started with um, th these are probably my proudest achievements actually in everything I've done two um, outstanding reviewer certificates for writing good feedback and that's because you know I'm so pleased with them because giving good feedback is really a core value of mine so that you know pushes the button and says yeah you did it you did a good job but I wholly learned how to do feedback and to give feedback um, through my tutor at Derby I did a master's at the University of Derby <laughs> master's in education with a specialism in coaching and mentoring. And I learned things throughout. It was a three-year part-time uh, master's degree. But I don't remember there being any pain in that learning because somebody was giving me feedback that felt like support the whole time. I don't remember ever thinking I was wrong about something or I'd not done a good job of something. Yet, you know, sort of striving because of the quality of that relationship and the quality of that feedback to improve myself. So we will give Rose Schofield the credit for this because everything I've ever done I've modelled on how she gives feedback. And I've got some of her some of her things in this presentation and they align with a coaching and mentoring philosophy, sort of non-directive, help someone to evaluate themselves before you tell them what you think angle on this. Um, so I thought if you could just turn again to the person next to you and we don't have to introduce yourself, now you know each other. But if you would just share either a piece of feedback that you received that made a massive positive difference to you or a piece of feedback you received that made a horrible negative impact on you. And we'll just, we'll start from that point. Yeah, absolutely. I always say to students who are stuck with writing, just write it like a conversation, but write it in your own voice first, yeah. and then fancy it up after, <laughs> make it fit after, yeah. So just thinking, you know, there's very many models, processes and theories around the giving and receiving of feedback. And anybody who's ever been involved in a grad school level would have seen this. It's, it persisted a long time and it's not, it's not anything that's particularly um, empirical in terms of its you know, very oversimplified four-box model. But what they're saying is there are things we know about ourselves and there are things we don't and the things that I would disclose to you and the things that I wouldn't. And in order to achieve this sort of full potential. It's, it's a bit about self-reflection and self-understanding and a bit about hearing from others, how they see us, how they interpret us. And, and the idea that feedback is something that's complementary to reflection, we've talked about lots and lots and for many years. But actually I would like to, if you go away with one thing, I guess from this session, it's that feedback is something that comes after reflection. So inviting somebody to self-evaluate before offering them, you know, your top-up thoughts might be, might be a way forward, helping people become aware. And often, you know, that what you were going to tell someone anyway, they already know. They already know, and it's not that they didn't know, it's that they don't know what to do with that information. So actually, we know this, but what can be done about it? And what's the first step you need to take? And what's the next step you need to take? And et cetera, all the coaching questions we know. Going back to the idea of language and clarity and the fact that that, that matters, I pulled this out. It's very small, but I can't get the image any bigger because I nicked it from the Guardian. Um, and it's, you know, I can't find it any bigger than this. So it's, it's, it's a kind of a tongue-in-cheek Anglo-EU translation guide, but I actually think it's Anglo-rest of the world. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's just, 
it's just it's just poking some fun really uh, so what the british say they say i hear what you say what the british mean i disagree and i don't want to discuss it any further <laughs> and then what others understand oh yeah absolutely he accepts my point of view so it's just thinking really about the clarity of language and the, the patterns and shortcuts that we use in language and all i would like you to do is just have a skim down that and spot yourself in that because i absolutely i can see myself in this there will be things you say that probably go or things that you've understood that don't quite fit just have a minute to uh, have a read and then turn to the person next to you and confess what you've been doing <laughs> in your, your feedback. Okay. So I just include this really for a bit of a bit of light-hearted release, but also to bring your attention to your choice of language and the choice of how you verbalise feedback. You know, so, something to bear in mind and think about. Um, and again, it's it's not just about what's delivered, what's said, it's to whom it's said and by whom it's said. And that, that dynamic and the relationship, I mean, we all know someone who we would take direct criticism from, you know, someone we trust a lot who says to us, no, you can't do that for these reasons. That's absolutely not the right thing because... And we'd be like, oh, okay. And then somebody we don't trust very much or don't know very well with the same feedback, that would have a devastating impact. So looking at these ideas, yes, on trust, the giving and receiving of feedback was a key way it could be built or broken. But also, if the relationship wasn't trusting, any feedback had very little positive impact. Because, you know, people did not know how to process, didn't know the framework for processing that information or the intention behind that. And a very clear example of something that isn't one of these catastrophic ideas of, you know, rudeness, bullying flippancy, um, these ad hominem criticisms or just ignoring somebody, was this one. And I really stuck on this idea for a long time because this person, he'd said, every time I get track changes back, I go all hot all over. So he gets this emotional response before they'd even read the feedback that somebody was going to criticise their work. I was so humiliated, not by the feedback itself, but because it was her giving it. And I never quite know if it's good advice or just in her own interest to push my writing in a certain direction. Right. And again, that sort of lack of being able to predict someone's intentions or to predict what, that, what it means to be coming from that person was something like really I thought was a, a, very interesting, a very interesting idea that it might not be how to do feedback, but how to build relationships. That's the most important thing in getting somebody to, to develop. And thinking about this idea of education alliance, and I've included... Um, a link at the end on feedback and education alliance. In mentoring and coaching, it's what we'd call rapport, and we wouldn't start as a professional in mentoring and coaching doing anything with that person until we'd found some common ground, until we'd built some, you know, some way to relate to that person. So how you connect and behave with each other affects the impact that your feedback has. Relationship quality is important in achieving any kind of positive change. And if it could be done as a self-evaluation dialogue that is a way of not only getting the feedback across but a way of building a relationship together and i've got three sort of ideals that we try or we try and think about for this so feedback that doesn't use this tired positive thing negative <laughs> thing positive thing formula which we'll tactfully refer to as the poop sandwich it has <laughs> another name okay uh, feedback that doesn't shut thinking down but opens it up, ask questions, ask open-ended questions in particular that get people to think through their reasoning behind why this or why that or why the other. 
and doesn't cause someone to feel like they have to defend their work but actually like we were talking about in the in the beginning which is about sort of a shared understanding that we don't know and we'll go there together you know this again this sense of this sense of alliance so let's come to that first one you call the poop sandwich people always know what you're up to <laughs> you get that don't you and you I mean earlier on I observed a colleague here say to someone else ah yes I completely understand what's the next word <laughs> we get from the intonation the what's coming we know that it's going to be the negative thing surrounded by two positive things and it seems disingenuous the relationship doesn't build and we can't process that feedback as effectively uh, why should any feedback be negative that's coming back to your point you know it was it was an improvement point but it didn't feel negative it didn't feel like a you know a negative emotion to you it didn't cause that kind of response so i've got some self-evaluation coaching questions that i would use with students that I encourage supervisors to use with students on the next slide and I would like you to just choose one or two and turn to each other and if you think of something that you've done, achieved, attempted, any piece of work that you've done in the last couple of weeks, ask your partner a couple of questions from this list and see what kind of response you get from them. Okay. How did it go? Were you pleased with it? What did you enjoy? Was it straightforward? Etc. 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 Choose whichever two you find bearable and ask your partner to self-evaluate the last piece of work that they did. Okay, thank you for having a go. Very quick go with these coaching questions. A big caveat. Big caveat here. Obviously, I've included these. These are the kinds of things I'd say. These are the kinds of things I'd feel comfortable saying and that would sound authentic coming from me. If you would never say something like this and you suddenly spring it on somebody, it's going to sound weird and odd, I understand. Um, I think really importantly, this one, is there anything I could usefully comment on at this point to offer something, yes with permission, but also to not just be using coaching as a deflection against giving any input, because people can always tell when that happens. I always joke that, you know, I speak to a lot of students who are stuck with writing their thesis and they'll often ask me the phone number for the research degree support team and I don't say, ah. Oh, but what do you think that phone number is? You know, <laughs> that's crazy. Because there's a right answer to that piece of information. You know, we're not going to go round the houses coaching people on things that there's just a known answer or a definite standard they need to they need to do. But uh, something I'd like you to notice about these questions: the how, where, what, did you find it? What caused it? What could you? Was there? Are there? Is that there's no why in the in that list, and why? Asking people why can set up a bit of a value judgment, even though it's the, often the first thing out of our mouths when we want to ask, you know, to get to the why. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? Um, because, you know, what prevented you from doing that sounds very different than why haven't you done that? Yeah. One of them sets up defensiveness and closes down thinking, and one of them opens up the thinking. If we can get to the what prevented you, we can get around the what. We can plan going forward. So we tend in coaching not to use why, all that's led to is me for the last five years going <laughs> at the beginning of a sentence, trying not to say why, but you know. Um, and on a similar tone, uh, something that I learned from Lynn McAlpine, who I know you know, and does everyone know Lynn McAlpine? No, who's written a lot and said a lot about doctoral and postdoctoral education. And she taught me this. And now I try and use that all the time. And not but. That's a really great idea. And did you know this is also available? 
that's lovely. And how about this? Rather than but, because it doesn't it doesn't take away from somebody's own ideas and their own, you know, their own contribution. But it's an addition. It's a gift. Here is the gift of the and. <laughs> Yeah, etc., yeah, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Because we can always tell when the butts coming, and the sentence actually sounds very different intonationally if you put an and in the middle than if you put a but in the middle. You don't get that. Oh, that's a good idea. You can't say it if you say it with an and. So just some phrases here that I've that I've changed to be um, and kind of phrases. So yeah, it takes me uh, straight to the point you're making, which is really clear. But you could tidy up the bad grammar. This introduction takes me straight to the point you're making, which is really clear, and the tidy up of the grammar will enhance its clarity. It's something else. It's additional. It's an additive thing. It sets up a kind of a collaboration feel around something. To me, that's what I take from this. It might, you might not, I don't know. I understand why you're taking this approach to seeking a meeting, but don't you think it will antagonise your boss? I understand why you're taking this approach to seeking a meeting, and how can you make sure it works? You know, so we're looking again for a solution to something. How are we going to get round? What might stop you? I thought it was a really good event. It was well attended. But for next time, you could think about how to avoid duplication in the presentations. But and for next time, because just you know, it just just feels different to receive an and than it does to receive a but. So just something I've really tried to embed now in what I'm doing. Um, so avoiding but or avoiding why, I was going to give you a little exercise to do, but in recognition that we were standing outside for 10 minutes earlier, I'm going to skip over this because I'm getting enough nodding that I think you perhaps get my point anyway. We don't need to embed that one. Um, and just, you, I mean, you can't see those very well, but you can click them. They're links. When you get the slides, you'll be able to click. The first one is a, a link to an online tool of that uh, feedback and self-evaluation window that um, students or colleagues or you can use and you can send out links to other people and ask them for feedback. Um, the middle one is a full blog I wrote about all of those different tools, the giving and receiving of feedback on my supervisor blog. And the one at the bottom is the link to the paper on Educational Alliance and the giving and receiving of feedback. So, a bit of a whirlwind into coaching style feedback uh, and self-evaluation, but hopefully there might be one or two things today that you thought, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give that a go when I get back and uh, get back into real life. All right, all right, and uh, hand you over then.